Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you will, and I hope you are enjoying the 50 most relevant for 2023. Can you believe it? We're at number 15. 36 episodes over the first 36 days of 2023, and there is still plenty more to come. Talking about an interesting player that, depending on the format you're in, you're like, where the heck is this come from, MJ? Or for other format players, you're going, it's about time we saw him in there. Connor McKenna is who has made the 50 most relevant. And joining me on this episode is Mini Monk. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. It's nice to be chatting about a player that we might be able to, you know, just fit into our starting squads nice and easily. At this point in the 50, it's it's nice to see cash cows coming through. Yeah, no, I wonder if we'll see any more, if this is the last of the uh, the low-end moneymakers that we get. Uh, surprisingly, 26 years of age, he retired just a couple of years ago from Essendon, desired to head back home to Ireland, and then after winning the Gaelic Football Championship, decided to give AFL another crack. Brisbane with a club that won out over several other suitors, including Geelong, St Kilda, Port Adelaide, were another one of those teams that were desperately trying to secure his services. As a result of him retiring and now coming back into the AFL system, he's got no 2022 data for us to speak of. However, there are some nice career high scores, both for Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy, they all came in 2019 against Collingwood. It was a 116 against the Magpies in Fantasy and Dream Team and a 141 in Supercoach. In that format, he's going to set you back $167,500. In Dream Team, $235,300. And a little bit pricier in AF, but still value, $373,000. Mini Monkey's one of those guys that I think, it, depending on the format you play, like super coaches and dream teamers, the moment we saw the price reveal under 200K in super coach, under 250K in dream team, it was this easy pick. But for AFL fantasy coaches, um, and we'll talk more in detail about what he's done and what's expected in a moment, for AFL fantasy coaches, they might be the ones going, why the heck are you talking about Connor McKenna? But regardless that maybe he's a little pricier than you might like, there's some amazing relevancy about what he could do now that he's back in the AFL system. Yeah, I mean, even AFL fantasy players would be still looking at him and thinking he probably would have appeared somewhere in the 50. You've got a player that's coming back from, you know, a couple of years out of the game, is coming in at a relatively cheap price, but it's nothing like the discount he has in Supercoach and Dream Team. He is just, you know, sub top level rookie pricing he's cheaper than cadman is across the formats well not mm. across the formats but in supercoach and dream team and so you, you you're kind of looking at him and you're thinking well what can he average in 2023 i mean it, what's the role he's going to play where is he going to play for the for mm. the lions and and it's it's a tricky one we didn't really know when he first came across obviously he was hand-hunted by a lot of teams and he's picked the lions so they must have said to him, I think we can put you into our best 22, but you're probably going to have to fight for it against, you know, a bunch of different players. Where will he play? Probably off the halfback flank, given the training so. reports. But yeah. 
who is he fighting for in that position? You've got Daniel Rich down there. They're going to try and squeeze in uh, Kadeem Coleman. You've also got uh, Wilmont, who started yeah. playing there in the finals as well. Is he your lock for best 22? Well, that's a very interesting question. But I think if he does play in round one, his ownership in at least Supercoach and Dream Team is going to be very high. It absolutely should be. Look, in 2019, if you want to look back through some of the history to see what he's done, that was his career-high seasons across the formats. He also had career-high disposals, but he also led the league for bounces. In AFL Fantasy and Dream Team in 2019, he averaged 70.2, which consisted of a top score of 116 and eight additional scores, 75+. plus. His average of 79.8 in Supercoach featured four tons, three of them, interestingly, a 110-plus, and one of those was that career-high Magpies game I alluded to already, a 141. He also had seven further scores of 75 and above, including a 99. The reason you look at those numbers, and over his career, he's probably a low to mid-60s in Fantasy and Dream Team, and, and potentially a a high 60s that can flirt into the 70s in Supercoach. You're going, man, MJ, Minimum, these aren't appetizing. But I think you made this excellent point. We're not considering him as a relevant guy, as a mid-pricer that's stepping out mm. to become a premium. He's a guy we're looking at very much in the same lens as a cash cow. He's priced at 42 in AFL Fantasy. He's priced in the high 30s in Dream Team and in the low 30s in Supercoach. And based on value, there's up to 30 points per game built into him. And, and that well and truly minimum hits our internal markers to go, right, the output versus investment, tick, tick, tick. Yeah, I mean, not only that, but he's shown that he has the ability to pop a ceiling type score as well, mm. which is absolute gold for rookie priced players to get cash gen flowing i mean if he pops 120 in super coach and 100 in afl fantasy and say round three or round four, oh my goodness you're gonna make 150k off of him in two or three weeks yeah and when you're doing your first upgrades around that round six mark if you've got a player that's you know managed to get up to 300 350 000 in super coach in the 500k marker in, in af and dt you're just absolutely loving it because it just makes upgrading that much easier when a player spikes and you look, he, he doesn't have a scoring pedigree that's in the eighties, but as you say, it doesn't have to be like, no. he doesn't have to average 80 because you know, the rookies around him that he's going to be competing against in your starting squad, most likely aren't going to be averaging 80 either. They're going to be averaging around, you know, 50, 55, 60, if you're lucky. And so to be able to justify someone that has actually shown it, at before. the AFL level before, Correct. be it a couple of years ago. But then, you know, he's not like he's not been playing the sport. He's been playing Gaelic football over in Ireland. Yeah, he still right. knows how to play the game. Still using his foot skills, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's just, it's a gift. It's an absolute gift for us that he's coming back into the AFL. And and the biggest question for, for really in Supercoach and Dream Team isn't should you pick him, it's is he picked round one by the Lions? And that's the qu the question people don't know. They look at Rich, they look at Wilmont, they look at Coleman, and then they go, where does he fit into this mix? Now, ultimately, we'll get that question answered through when they stop playing against each other or they double up in roles with two teams from one. We'll get a good indication from it. He's playing off halfback as that running rebounder. But 
I look at this Brisbane back line, and we know there's some really solid locks from the key position and tools perspectives. I still don't see Daniel Rich's regression, which I think is still happening, so chaotically that he falls out of the best 22. But Kitty Coleman is the one that interests me. I know they put him back there about 18 months ago now um, to bring some class and to bring some speed. He does both those things. Really smart user of the footballer, really fast player. But with those two benefits with Coleman comes a defensive liability. Just ask a lot of Brisbane fans, or if you watched a lot of Brisbane games last year, teams were playing through Coleman because they believed offensively that was one of the weakest um, places of resistance, should I say. Um, And so while I think McKenna's definitely got a battle on his hands, um, Wilmont's no certainty. He's, he's not even played a home and away game yet. Now McKenna's in there and Coleman's got some pressure. So for me, I don't think a bloke's relocated 15,000 kilometres to play in the twos. And I think what you said earlier, Mini Monk, is right. He's been given the assurity of the spot is yours. It's now up to you not to lose that opportunity by being overtaken by others. Um, the real thing I think that makes him relevant, though, I'm keen on your take. I know last year, runner-up in Dream Team, top 50 in Fantasy, top two, 300 in Supercoach, had a really good year across the formats. Um, I want to ask two questions, but I think they land beautifully. One, how important is getting your starting squad right? And then the follow-up to that is, how does McKenna help you with your starting squad, especially your defensive structure this year? I think that people make a lot about how important your starting squad really is. But the good thing is, especially in Supercoach and Dream Team now, you have the trades to be able to fix your starting squad quickly. And if you see there's a major restructure that you have to do in those formats come round three, when players are in the bubble, you now have the trade boost to be able to fix that as well. So while your starting squad, you know, is important, you want to be starting the right premiums who are going to be able to pop 100, 120, 130 scores. You want to start the value where it's there and you want to get the right rookies. If mm. you make a mistake on a mid-price to say they don't have the role you thought they did, unfortunately, they might get injured. You know, it happens. You get mid-prices wrong. 100%. You need to be able to just make the decision, say, right, they're not doing what I need them to do. Let's bail out. Let's move on to another player instead. And I think that's not the case for McKenna and Supercoach and Dream Team because he comes in at a price where you're not really bailing into him. You're starting him most likely if he's playing round one and you're just going to ride the wave. But that still maintains his relevancy in AFL fantasy because a lot of teams are looking to start a couple of mid-prices down back, be it the likes of Young, Salem, Yo, Bose. If they fail, McKenna's sitting right there at a couple of hundred Ks cheaper. And you can easily yeah. just jump down onto him and use that cash to, you know, fix a rookie that you've missed, fix a mid-price from another line and want to go up. Say you've got a mid-pricer like, you know, Chera, Ward, mm. Newcomb, and you want to go up to someone else. I mean, that cash is invaluable. It's a quick restructure in AFL fantasy. So I think having the ability to bail down onto players and knowing where the end point is, like where do you bail off of your mid-prices to, is really mm. important. And McKenna is one of those ones that, you know, AFL fantasy coaches should be jotting down and thinking, right, if one of my defensive mid-prices fails, where am I going to? Am I going all the way down to the rookie that's playing or am I going down to someone in the 600K bracket or 500K bracket? 
Or am I going to McKenna, who's in that nice bridge gap? And if he pops an 80 in round one in AFL fantasy type scoring, I mean, you just, you can just jump straight onto him and just ride the break even for 150, 200K. And you're still keeping up with all the coaches that have started him. You only lost maybe 15 points. Yeah, it, it's really true. I, I look at the way people are structuring out their teams this year and we've talked about it a, a little bit over the past few days, especially with Stephen Cornelio and Connor Rosie, just about that desire for coaches to want to run deep with premiums in the forward line, but not get so far into Mordor that they can't upgrade should a Parker, Bont, Bailey Smith types reemerge as in-season DPP gains like we got last year. Then to go deeper somewhere, they're going, okay, I don't want to skimp on the mids because there's some really big names. There's some good stepping stones and some generally the best scoring cows historically come from the mids. So, okay, there. Rucks, oh, set and forget is a viable strategy this year. That does look like there might be a clear and supreme too, but there's also some value in the in-between. So it comes to the back line and there's some nice big juicy options at the top couple of value through injury guys in the middle. And then the cows start to create in some formats of the game, a pressure point because outside of McKenna, Wilmont, Weddle, Chesser and Gimby are pretty much the five value defenders that have been spoken about. And so McKenna's interesting to me, Mini Monk, and I'm keen on your take. If he's at D5 for you, does that feel like it, supports the structure for coaches a little bit more or do you need to push him a little bit deeper into six or onto the bench i think he's you know a great candidate to be in a d5 position i don't think you'd want to have him any higher at say a d4 but Mm. i also think if you're running him at d6 you're probably running too deep down back given you know what seems to be evolving and what coaches seem to be doing you're probably trying to run maybe four rookies in your midfield or you're trying to only have two of the premiums up forward and I think that that might leave you a little bit short compared to everyone else that's around you when you start. But in that D5 position, he really doesn't have much competition. I mean, looking at template teams that are coming out and people, what mm. people are putting out on, on, on you know, Twitter and, and through other spaces, Gimby seems to be the one who's sitting in around about that D5 position in most yeah, five, teams. Yeah, 5-6 for and, most teams, and yeah. if, and if you can have, you know, McKenna at D5 and maybe Ginby at D6, you're feeling pretty comfortable because then you only have to have two more of that defensive bunch playing and you've got cash generation and bench cover down back, which is typically where we start to struggle when we're building our team to have that because, I mean, you only have to look to last year. We had Paddy McCartan and, and yeah. Sander Koning who are bench options. And, yeah, they played every game, but they didn't have scoring that you wanted to put them on your field with. And most people weeks, no. Were, no, not most weeks. And you were running into trouble with, with the injuries down back and with mid-prices failing down back, and it, it became chaos. So if you can have McKenna at D5, I mean, you're pretty comfortable. You've been sleeping pretty well at night. Yeah, you, you really are. Um, for Supercoach and Dream Team, if he's named round one, he'll be one of the most top 10 selected players in the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because... If you can get something that is proven, even if it's not crazy, but proven as a cash cow point, you jump on it. It's why people are so in love with Will Phillips as a selection, because there's always an element of unknown with untried players. Whereas with McKenna, if he's named, you know what he's going to be. You can put him on field for a safe 60 and you 
If you can get lucky with that 80, 90, 100 game, awesome. If he pops that 50, which historically is there at Essendon, again, different team, different era, that's pretty much in the ballpark of what you're expecting for most guys at that price point anyway. So you always take the upside um, as opposed to the consistency element. So for me, it's just a real easy call to make. I look at that. And I go in Dream Team and Super Coach, it's a lock. In AFL fantasy, you can go one of two ways. The one that Mini Monk has alluded is he becomes your parachute for an Elliot Yo. Uh, maybe you take a punt on a Will Day type, um, that mid 500 sort of guys. Maybe you found someone that's got a nice, cushy role. He becomes your parachute. Um, or, or perhaps he's someone that you trade into during the year. We, we don't have to start all these guys and then fade them. There, there's value through the trades that we have along the way. There's plenty of opportunities for us to consider through there. AFL Fantasy, again, I, I still think there's some some merit and warrant um, to be able to look at him as a genuine option. Um, let's talk draft mini monk before we wrap up this episode is he one of the guys in the 50 most relevant that he makes the 50 because of his classic value and nothing for draft or is there a world where he's got some value on draft day there is some very late value in the <laughs> yes. draft yeah you're not going to be wanting to pick him early on in the draft he probably doesn't go anywhere near the top 150 picks and no. you you you're picking him as a d4 maybe a D4 if you're stretching on him, but probably a D5 or, or a bench pick yeah. and hoping that he can get to around about that 70, 75 marker and an AFDT and, and stupid coach. And you just use him as a streaming option week to week and you just pray that he comes into a bit of form. Um, but yeah, at that so. point, you're just you're just streaming players anyways. You're, you're working the waiver wire and you're trying to find who's got favourable matchups and who's got a nicer run because there's been a role change in their team. So I think that there's, you know, enough that someone might nibble at him because of his classic Sorry, relevance yeah. and maybe go from a D4, but I think you'd be pretty comfortable grabbing him at a D5 and, you know, just rotating with some other defenders as well. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. Spot on. Hey, Mini Mark, it's been awesome to have you on this podcast episode again. So thank you for your fine work. Thank you very much. If you want to go and read the article on Connor, it is online for you now at coachespanel.tv. All the other players we've revealed so far, their articles are there. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can go back and listen to all of the other podcasts that are there. There's nearly 40 of the bad boys. Go back and check it out. Maybe you've just started in the past week or two. Getting serious about your fantasy footy again? Well, there's some guys through the 40s and the 30s that we've revealed that maybe we want to go and get a look at. The Chad Warner, Luke Davies, Uniac, um, Bailey Smith, Hayden Young, Tom Green, Jacob Hopper, Nick Dacos. These are just some of the names through the 40s and the 30s. We've already covered them this preseason. Go and check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. In about 30 seconds, Tom, I'm going to give you a quick clue about who's coming up tomorrow. But if you are loving the podcast and the articles or what you're seeing through social media from the coaches panel, we'd love if you could join our Patreon supporter group for a few dollars a month. It practically supports the coaches panel to do what we do to keep putting content out into the universe for you. If you are loving it for just a couple of bucks a month, you can support it and we'll kick you some additional content, hidden group access, more podcasts, and honestly, just a heap of good vibes coming your way. Coachespanel.tv has all the links for you to join our Patreon supporter group. Well, tomorrow we hit the number 14.
He was a player that last year was tipped to go from a potential premium and hit the heights of premium territory. And not only did he do that, he hit higher heights than I think many people would have anticipated. But now he's no longer valued. Now he's still got the potential to be the number one player in the game. Who am I talking about? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant. Give it up, give it up.